Welcome to your Daily Cup of Inspiration podcast with Deanna Hobbs, founder of Empowering Everyday Women Ministries, broadcasting live from our headquarters studios in Buffalo, New York. Visit us online at empoweringeverydaywomen.org. Today's inspiration offers good news for you. If you have ever wanted to edit out your weaknesses, shortcomings, and struggles for fear that they would derail your purpose, relax, you're not that powerful. God, who chose you before the foundations of the world, did not choose you because of your works, ability, or perfection. He simply chose you because He loves you, and it is His good pleasure to bless you. Welcome to day four of our 14-day unedited series on this Friday, September 25th, 2020 edition of your Daily Cup of Inspiration podcast. It's Deanna Hobbs here, bringing you the biggest smiles and the warmest greetings ever. I'm so excited for the continuation of of this series about how God does not edit out the ugly parts of our story, but rather he uses them to get the glory. I just love it that we're a family and that we can gather around the word of God and learn and grow together. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share with you. It is my honor. So, you know, I love praise reports and the ministry received an awesome one from a precious member of our faith community named Liv in London. Liv said, I was diagnosed with clinical depression at 14. My mother is a psychologist and my dad is a therapist, so I've been getting great mental health care for a long time. Round about June of last year, after I turned 30, I was feeling hollow and empty. I thought maybe I needed to adjust my meds and talk to a therapist. Neither of those things worked. I began chatting with a friend and she invited me to come to church. After going to church, I researched about Christianity and read a devotion from you then read another, and another. I could go on forever with this story, but I'll cut right to it. Jesus saved my life. I have never stopped reading your devotions and listening to your messages, and best of all, that empty feeling is gone. Thank you for sharing Bible teachings. They fill me up with joy. Glory to God. I love this testimony. My heart is rejoicing with you, Liv, that God saved you and continues to strengthen you. Can we get a praise break for Liv's salvation. Powerful and inspiring testimonies like this remind us that God is transforming lives through this ministry. We are grateful for your support that keeps these broadcasts available online as a free resource to help others grow. If you are being blessed and you believe in our mission to share the gospel, sow a seed of any size at empoweringeverydaywomen.org donate. Thank you for your generosity. All right, let's begin day four of our unedited series with a prayer. God, here we are again, seeking wisdom and revelation from your word. It's no accident that this person pressed play. You sent them. This is a divine appointment, so word my mouth and give me what to say to minister to their needs in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. Some time ago, Daily Cut family, I was having one of my moments. One of those, God, how am I going to do your work with all these new challenges kind of moments? Like, can't we edit out some of these issues and skip over this difficult phase so I can finally get back to kingdom work? That day, I was trying to work through my emotions about one of my biggest hurdles, which is being around people. Since my health crisis last year, if there's someone around that I 
I don't know very well, or someone who's a stranger, or even feels like a stranger to me because the memory of them didn't survive my brain trauma even though they may know me. In these situations, I involuntarily and unconsciously clam up. The first time I knew I had a problem being around people, I was walking down the street holding my husband Kenya's hand. We were coming from my sister's house that day and going to our car that was parked on the street. I saw this man I didn't know. We just passed by him. And then I heard Kenya ask me, what's wrong? And to my own surprise, I heard myself say back, I'm scared. Then I asked him what made him ask me what was wrong in the first place. And Kenya told me I just started squeezing his hand and I started walking a lot slower like I was trying to pull back and my face looked terrified. I didn't even know that any of that was happening, though I did feel fearful. I just didn't know why. And still, at this present moment, I have to lean on God in this area. Back in July of this year, I went into the store with my son Kadar. He happened to be shopping for a birthday gift for his sister Kaya. When we were just about to check out, I heard somebody call my name and I looked around and saw a woman standing there and I could tell by her face and her smile that she knew me and was excited to see me but I didn't know who she was. And I felt myself tensing up and I don't know what my face looked like in the store that day but I must have looked confused because after a few moments, she said, oh, it's okay. You don't remember who I am. And when she said those words, my brain really started racing, trying to figure out who this person was that knew me. I felt like my legs were dead bolted to the floor, and for what felt like an eternity, but was probably no more than 10 seconds, I stood there, silent. But then, something unexpected happened. Her face started to seem a little more familiar to me. And when she told me her name, it clicked. I remembered her. So we talked very briefly, and then Kadar and I went to check out. And while we were in line waiting, he asked me, Mommy, is that sweat? I had broken out into a sweat and was feeling panicky, but I got through the moment with the help of the Lord. So on the day when I was having that moment about all of this, I got caught up in my own feelings and I guess I sort of took my eyes off God's sufficiency and started looking at my own deficiency. And the Lord started ministering to me and assuring me that me being totally put together is not what holds God's ministry together. And if I fall apart, God's ministry won't. His purpose will prevail no matter what. He's God all by himself. And frankly, he doesn't need my help. I was reading Genesis 25 about Rebecca, a woman who thought she needed to help God out. She was the wife of Isaac, one of the four great Jewish patriarchs in the Old Testament. And for a long time, about 20 years, Rebecca was unable to have children. Isaac prayed for God to open her womb and the Lord blessed her to conceive twins. Rebecca's pregnancy was rough though. It felt like a war was going on in her belly. And so Rebecca prayed and asked God, what's going on? And God told told her she was, in fact, carrying two rival nations inside her womb. But despite the difficulty of her pregnancy, she gave birth to healthy twin boys. Esau was the oldest and Jacob was the youngest and Jacob was also her favorite. As the years went on, the boys grew up and Isaac grew old and it was time for Isaac to pronounce a blessing over his twin sons. And Rebecca wanted Jacob to get the blessing reserved for the firstborn. And that would require some scheming because because technically, the birthright belonged to Esau. 
and the birthright was simply an honor bestowed upon the firstborn that gave him preferred head of household status. It made him the rightful heir of his father's estate, and the one with the birthright would receive a double portion of whatever was passed down. And Rebecca loved Jacob more than Esau, and so she figured out a way to disguise Jacob as Esau and trick her blind husband into unknowingly pronouncing the blessing that should have been for Esau upon Jacob. It looked like Rebecca's scheming worked and that she had masterfully intervened in the affairs of her son's lives and shifted the course of their destinies, but not so fast. That's only the way it seemed. Rebecca was not that powerful. If you look on the surface, it also looked like Isaac had made a quote-unquote mistake by giving the blessing of the older to the younger, and it seemed like Isaac's feebleness and diminished abilities were to blame for this error. But it's not that simple either. Though Rebecca did in fact scheme and Isaac was in fact duped, God's hand was in control of it all from the beginning. Remember when I referenced Rebecca having a wrestling match in her stomach and asking God why her twins were causing such a ruckus? The evidence that this was divine intervention and not human manipulation that caused this switch is found in God's answer to Rebecca, and I'll read it to you in the New Living Translation. And the Lord told her, The sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. There it is right there in black and white. God chose Jacob from the beginning to rule over Esau. God had already told Rebecca what would happen. Stories like Rebecca's are what I love about the word of God. By not editing out Rebecca's duplicity, we see that there was a side of her that could hear a direct and accurate word from the Lord and a side of her that still caved into her flesh and her belief that she had to do something to create a special outcome, that she had to make things happen. Happen, to manufacture a blessing. And she didn't have to do that in the first place because God had already done it. Sometimes I think we overestimate our power and our importance. We put so much unnecessary pressure on ourselves to do certain things and make things happen and be in control, but we're not in control. Never have been, never will be. The sovereign will of God will be done and we're not powerful enough to undo it even when we try to overdo things and overcompensate. Now, there was nothing inherently bad about Rebecca wanting the best for her son, but she certainly didn't go about it the right way. Jacob was already blessed. The hand of the Lord was already on his life. And God doesn't want you to forget you're already blessed. His hand is already on your life. And sometimes you might feel like you're not doing enough. But today God is saying, I didn't ask you to do a whole bunch of stuff in the first place. Why are you putting all that pressure on yourself? Who convinced you that you had to come up with a plan and a strategy to get the blessing? God wants you to free yourself of the pressure to make things happen and trust his timing and know that what is meant to happen will happen in the right season. And I'm telling you this from a place of experience because this is what the Lord has been driving home for me over the past year. Last year's trauma shut me all the way down. I couldn't do any of the things I once did and the independent woman in me took a beating. Let's talk, shall we? I am driven 
solution-oriented, problem-solving, uh, a go-getter, a do-what-you-have-to-do-to-get-things done type of person. I don't mind hard work, and there's this determination in me to do the will of the Lord and fight for the ideals and values I believe in and hold dear. Now, I'm not driven by success in the conventional sense. I'm not driven by money or power. I'm very mission-focused, so I'm driven by my desire to see souls saved, to see the hungry and thirsty nurtured, both naturally and spiritually. And I will do everything that I can to surrender to that mission, to serve God, to serve people. That's just who I am. And you don't have to tell me to get up in the morning. I'm up before the sun is. I'm on mission, on task, doing the work of the Lord and happy to do it. Once my brain got shaken up by all those seizures, uh, I felt like I was a shell of the person I was. I couldn't do any work. I couldn't lead anyone. I was a mess. I couldn't mentor anybody, couldn't go anywhere or minister in the church or travel. I remember feeling tortured, like I needed to be doing so many things in order for the will of the Lord to be accomplished. And it just felt like God was looking back at me like, I've got this. I don't need you to be on all the time, Deanna. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but God is saying, I don't need you to be strong. I've got that covered. I don't need you to have all the answers. I've got that covered. I don't need you to know the future. I've got that covered. I don't need you to have a blueprint or roadmap. I've got that covered. I don't need you to make a way. I've got that covered. I just need you to surrender to your season and trust me. There's a difference between doing your part and trying to do God's part. Amen. There's no way we could do his part anyway. Why even try? We are not that powerful. But if you have Rebecca-like tendencies, then you probably have felt the need to be in control. And that's why her unedited story can help you put things in perspective. She teaches all of us that if we're always working to control outcomes, we'll end up spinning our wheels and putting undue pressure on ourselves and even complicating our lives. Something I took note of while reading Rebecca's story is the fact that God didn't edit out the consequences of her actions. When Rebecca set her plan in motion, you know, she didn't realize that there would be repercussions and this sort of snowball effect. Though it appeared she had gotten what she wanted at first, there were a whole lot of things she didn't want that also happened. Scripture says Esau got so angry with Jacob for stealing his blessing that he wanted to kill his brother. Rebecca didn't mean to, but she ruined that relationship between her sons. That situation snowballed and Jacob then had to flee town to go and live with his uncle Laban. And sadly, after that, Jacob never saw his mother Rebecca again. And Laban mistreated Jacob and took advantage of him. So the whole situation created complications. See how one thing led to another? When we overestimate our power and underestimate God's power, we set off a chain reaction with unintended consequences. It's way better to trust God and accept that there are some things that are beyond our control. Acceptance of things that make us uncomfortable is hard, I know. I remember one day last year, I was having a particularly difficult time processing my new reality and limited memories and lower capacity and all that. And God gave me a dream. And in that dream, I saw myself in this abandoned storage unit and there were a bunch of files in there. And these files contain memories, important documents, photographs, and so many other things from over the years. But in my dream, I was aware that I had to move forward and leave that storage unit. 
and I was only allowed to take what I could carry in a little backpack. I couldn't lug all those files, so I had to walk away and leave them behind and never go back to that place. And as I walked down the street with one little backpack full of files, I was so very sad walking away. But I had to accept it so I could move forward. When I woke up from that dream, oh, I cried. That dream was confirmation of a prophetic word my father gave me. Daddy told me that some of my memories would never come back, but God would give me new ones. And even though I lost some things, I still had what I needed because ultimately my identity is in Christ Jesus. Day by day, I'm walking by faith and remembering that God's purpose will be accomplished through me despite not being who or what I was, in spite of not being able to do all I used to do. And even though I feel vulnerable and stripped down in many ways, God's reminded me over and over again, just as he's reminding you, his power has not been stripped away and he doesn't need us to do anything or be a certain way in order for him to do everything he wants to do through us. It is his work, not our works that gets the job done. In Romans 9 and 10 through 13, the apostle Paul drives home this point beautifully. He explains the sovereign will of God and references Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and Esau's story. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. It says, This son was our ancestor Isaac. When he married Rebecca, she gave birth to twins. But before they were born, before they had done anything, good or bad, she received a message from God. This message shows us that God chooses people according to his own purposes. He calls people not according to their good or bad works. She was told, your older son will serve your younger son. In the words of scripture, I loved Jacob, but I rejected Esau. There it is again in black and white. Jacob and Esau's positioning had nothing to do with human meddling, and the greater context of this story helps us understand how salvation works. God is the sovereign one, and there is nothing in particular we have done to be chosen by him for redemption. He just chose us because, well, it's his choice. We are all saved by faith and not of our works. All that we will ever need has been secured for us through Christ. Isn't that good news? You can rest in him. Know that your sufficiency is in Christ and whatever is too hard, too intimidating, too out of reach for us, it's not that way for him. In Matthew 19, 26, in the New International Version, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And that's the word I'm stirring into your cup of inspiration. And as you drink down the contents of your cup, place your faith and confidence in the one for whom nothing is impossible. When we are powerless, he is all powerful and there is no failure in him. Now let's pray. God, I pray for this, my sister, this, my brother. Thank you for reminding them that despite their deficiencies, shortcomings, mistakes, and frailties, your power is at work in them and your purpose will prevail in their life. Help them to rest in you and resist the urge to try to figure out what you have already planned out and worked out. Give them peace, oh God, as they trust you all the more. In Jesus' name. Amen. Your daily cup of inspiration has been brought to you by Empowering Everyday Women Ministries, where we fuel your faith every day. For more information, log on to yourdailycupofinspiration.com.